0: Welcome to Paper Boys, the weekly podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science news. I am your host, James. Happy to be here today with my faithful co-host, Charlie. Faithful. That that's the number one word that people
1: use to describe me as faithful. Faithful. Says the guy who just got married. Yes, I did just get married. Thank you very much, James. You were there. I was there. Uh, you can tell everyone what a terrible ceremony it was. And speaking of faithful, uh, my sister <laughs> during <laughs> slip during yeah, my wedding slip ceremony, yeah, giving a reading where she meant to say "promised fidelity to each other" and she said "promising infidelity to each other."
0: It was the like best comic
1: relief ever. Yeah, honestly. it's basically about the worst mistake you could make during a wedding ceremony. Your face when she said that was priceless. Yeah. So um, uh, I guess now the number one word to describe me would be unfaithful co-host.
0: Unfaithful co-host. True.
1: Of the Paper Boys podcast. Of the Paper Boys podcast. Which is uh, a show that we started as two PhD students as a way to share our love for science. Uh, this is like when you read headline science news, mainstream news, you're like you get like the, the sound bites and you get the blips of kind of some information. But it's always really sensationalized. And it's really hard to pick out in those news stories about science. Is this legit? You know, like you see, oh, eggs are bad for you. No, eggs are good for you. No coffee causes cancer. No coffee is good for you. What's actually going on with all these things? James and I go and we read the actual papers that are generating these headlines and we give you like the full details about how these papers were made and what they're really saying.
0: Well, I'm very happy about today's paper. A recommendation from our friend and listener, Dennis Pontempi. Thank Uh, you, Dennis. Thank you, Dennis. Another great recommendation. This one will be particularly of interest to graduate students or anyone in academia Hopefully it's interesting to anyone who's generally interested in the world of research as well. Today we'll be tackling the problem of self- citations in glorifying academics work.
1: Self- citations. yeah I it Love sounds or like Yeah, it sounds like it could be like you know some kind of like harmful process
0: or something, but uh, I don't really know what that means. So I mean, you write a paper and you cite your own previous papers when you write it. Oh, like you just
1: refer to your own work put that in the bibliography
0: yeah what why is that bad so it gets bad and we'll get into some more details on this but it's like citations is like one of the biggest metrics that's associated with researchers so if you're a professor there are job incentives to having more citations so that becomes problematic
1: so like the number of times that your work has been cited by other people yes is important okay yeah
0: yeah so today's episode's a little bit of a departure from like you know the experimental papers we've often covered but I think but, it's still very relevant. And...
1: But also, this, is, this isn't just us talking about this. Like This is in the news, right? Yeah, this was in the news. And ah. this is like a research paper that came out about this. Yep. Okay. So we're still on theme here. Absolutely. We're not thing. cheating. No. And Dennis nailed it with the recommendation here.
0: Yes. Excellent recommendation, Dennis. Yeah.
1: At, very appropriate for our one-year anniversary podcast. In what way? i don't know just it's it's like a meta analysis
0: on bad practices in science it's like yeah meta science but then even like meta science meta science because we're analyzing sort of how this meta science was analyzed in the news and media (sighs) whoa sit back ladies and gentlemen this is gonna be a big one yeah yo pass that man (laughs) (laughs) cue the music Before we actually dive into the old-fashioned meat and potatoes of this episode, we just want to say thank you everyone for listening. We appreciate it so much. As Charlie mentioned, this is our 1-year podcasting anniversary. Yeah. And it's been a great great journey, I think, for both Charlie and myself. Yeah, um, it has been.
1: If you go back and listen to our first So it was exactly 1 year ago on this Thursday that we released our first two episodes about spiders flying and being able to hear meteors, which honestly like, still are two of my favorite topics that we've ever done.
0: Those are fun. And
1: maybe that is uh, for all you psychology people out there. Maybe that's just the primacy effect. Ooh, Ooh, look at that word I know. Wow. You know, my favorite episodes are the first two episodes and then also this episode. And that's mainly due to the primacy effect and the recency effect. Explain. Well, (laughs) no, I don't want to explain. That's just a joke that Really pisses off my new wife because she she majored in neuroscience, okay. and so I always
0: say that, and she gets really mad. Nice, Morgan, if you're listening, I'm gonna apologize on Charlie's behalf because we <laughs> we appreciate your listenership. Yeah, I'm gonna apologize to everyone listening on my
1: own behalf. So if you go back, listen to the, those first two episodes. It's uh, it's it's cool
0: how to see how far we've come. Definitely, a lot of that is based on your listenership and support and comments and reviews. So thank you for listening as always if you haven't or haven't for a while checked us out on social media hit us up Paperboys pod you can find us on twitter or instagram like i said a thousand times we love hearing from you so yeah let us as, know
1: as a one-year celebration send us a tweet or or a comment on instagram or whatever i don't use instagram i don't know how people talk to each other on instagram but tweet at us a let DM. us know let us know what hooked you on paper boys in the first place. What was the first episode that you heard? Maybe you've been listening since the spiders episode and you've heard wow. everyone since then. I don't know. We always love hearing, you know how, how people interact with this show, where you're listening from. We recently heard from someone in Australia. That was
0: cool. Yeah. yeah. Finland, Finland, yeah, Austria, Canada, us. And that's basically it. And that's, it. No. <laughs> there've been a couple other places, yeah. but it's cool. Anyway,
1: if you'd like to support the show, you can check us out on Patreon dot com com slash paperboys pod we have a bonus episode coming out this sunday september 1st first of every month eases the pain of paying rent a little bit and
0: uh we're very excited it's about dna the discovery of dna yeah we're really excited about this one i it's like such an amazing discovery and like a relatively short paper for how big of an impact it is
1: yeah that's Pretty like cool.
0: we always say all the really
1: hard or really good papers are always like really short
0: yeah which may, which is like, how can you then boil that down into a one-sentence headline accurately? The discovery of DNA? No, I mean any of these papers, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it's like, it's already dense. Oh, you're right. They're already you're right. like using right. words very sparingly. Right. Like seven pages is about the
1: shortest amount you could make it while still doing it justice.
0: Yeah. Let alone one sentence. And then just add 150 pages of supplemental figures.
1: Yes, of course. And tables and stuff. So, speaking of one sentences yes how so now diving into the actual meat and potatoes like you said what were the headlines on this uh self-citation thing
0: what was this all about okay so we have nature news so nature the publication has like a news feed uh their title was hundreds of extreme self-citing scientists revealed in new database i like the consonants on that title yeah that's pretty good of extreme self-citing scientists yeah get dan rather to read that one
1: yeah oh uh wait are they extreme in that they have an extreme amount of self-citations or are they extreme like they like to go snowboarding off of a helicopter
0: no comment on whether they like to snowboard off helicopters unknown but they are definitely extreme in the the amount that they cite themselves and their okay. papers so, so like so the notable aspect here is not just that
1: people cite themselves it's like a very high volume of self-citation yes okay
0: embroiled in controversy okay (laughs) the wire.com uh excuse me the wire.in said when scientists oversite themselves a metric of research importance breaks okay it's basically saying like citations are important for evaluating what does it mean scientific impact Oh, But like if you it's a if, if, if you pad it with self citations, then you're breaking the metric. I see, like how Kim Kardashian broke the internet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Is that? It?
1: Did she? Yeah. You don't remember that? She clogged the tubes. Don't remember when Kim Kardashian broke the internet? That was like a very important cultural moment to everyone. No, it's probably like camping. Well, Google it. It's it's lewd. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, it was like the cover of a magazine. It's not
0: lewd like that. Okay. <laughs> Old Kim, and then. Like some other news that has come up about this in the past. This isn't like just now. It's breaking. It's been around for a while. 2013, I found an article from Nature again that said, Brazilian citation scheme outed. Hmm. Were they... There's a scheme. There's a scheme to up their citations. And did they cite themselves a Brazilian times? Is that why? <laughs> Charlie, get out. You're fired. I'll I'll take a lap. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Yeah. Um, Dennis had forwarded us the Wire article, which was interesting, because it not only talked about the actual published research with self-citations, that I'll get into more in a sec, but also talked about some of the like controversies that have actually arisen from it. So one example coming from India, another coming from Italy, where Dennis is from originally. Oh. With some of the academic reforms that passed there in 2010 and the effect that that has had on Italian academics. Hmm. I'm so, going to guess this is a bad effect if we're uh, now talking about problems. Yeah, it's a bad effect. I mean, because there's no reason to hold it off for later. Basically, what they found was there's a 2017 study that went back to analyze the effects of a 20, controversial 2010 policy that was introduced that basically required academics to meet a certain level of productivity for them to be eligible for like raises or bonuses or promotions. What? How do you even quantify that? Citations. Oh no. So, which then, you know, becomes controversial because then you're like, Hey, John, like over in, you know, other university or Sarah in a different university, like, I'll cite you, you cite me, let's do yeah. this paper. Dude. I I don't I don't know how you pass a law like that and don't
1: immediately see how that gets abused. Uh
0: I'm not gonna get into the politics of it. But
1: okay. yeah. <laughs> I mean Didn't Dennis say that this was a uh, Silvio Berlusconi
0: spearheaded Piece of legislation. <laughs> yeah. So there's probably like corruption intentionally built into it. Yeah. Another person you should Google. The Wire article also does mention a specific Indian academic. And I'm like, I'm intentionally not going to mention who it is. You can look it up if you want. I don't, you know, I'm not using this as like a smear campaign or anything. Yeah. There are many like important reasons to do self citations. You know,
1: I self- mean, if you're like the leading expert in a given field. Or, like, I can think of my own research. I'm pretty much the only person who's researching what I'm researching.
0: Yeah, so who else can I cite, you know? But it's important, too, to show, like, you know, this... You know, if you're coming up with a new paper, you want to show that it's different from papers that you've written previously. So you say, like, you know, in this previous paper, we did X, Y, and Z. This paper is different if you're not familiar with the field. Yeah, like, here, we've built on that work by doing this
1: new, unique thing.
0: yeah. Yeah, and, like, moreover... A lot of the publication venues require that you cite your own work previously. Mm, Yeah. Because it makes it easier for them to make sure you're not self plagiarizing. Yes. Yes. So, because that's a whole nother problem.
1: I know, like, there's, like, I think Malcolm Gladwell had a big controversy recently or just in the past couple of years about, like, self plagiarizing.
0: Really? I didn't hear that. I think so.
1: And there's another guy who was like Malcolm Gladwell whose career got ended as a result of that. Wow. He was like some, like, New Yorker writer or something. Jeez. Yeah. So, that's a whole nother. I feel like self-citations is probably the uh, science paper equivalent of what self-plagiarizing is in like journalism
0: and stuff. Yeah. Well, it avoids self-cite. Because if you cite it, then you're not plagiarizing it. You're attributing it to the other thing. Uh, yes, I see. Not citing it would be self-plagiarizing. I see. I see. I see.
1: Yeah, I guess this controversy is the equivalent
0: in science research. Or like this, you know, this scandal. Yeah. Patting your stats, gaming the system. Yeah. So before I actually... Well, okay. I'll give you a little taste of the article, but there's actually some interesting like history behind citations and like our obsession over these metrics that I kind of want to touch on. Okay. It sounds like you just pitched me like, "Hey, you want to watch this coin documentary?" Like,
1: the, you know, not enough people really talk about the history of citations. I have a great 3-hour documentary
0: on bibliometrics. Yeah,
1: "Hey, let's go watch Gettysburg for the next 5 hours." <laughs>
0: Uh, but seriously.
1: Okay, no, but seriously, I am interested. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just had to make fun of you for a second. Okay, I'll accept it, as long as you still talk bibliometrics with me. Okay. Um, so the journal article that Dennis sent us is from PLOS Biology, titled, A Standardized Citation Metrics Author Database Annotated for Scientific Field. What's interesting is that, you know, we've been talking about this controversy of self-citations this article is not about the issues of self-citations. Wait, I mean, I'm just looking at this
1: title. It sounds like this guy just came out and published like a list of what everyone's been doing citation-wise. Like he basically, just, he just yeah. basically called everyone out.
0: No, no, he didn't call everybody out. Well, but like he provided a, the tool to allow people to call them out. Sort of. But that makes it sound like that was his intent. His intent was this, I to see, say yeah. that, you know, if you only look at pure citations, you're not seeing the full picture. If you only look at this thing called the H index, which is like a common, one of the most common metrics like you see on Google Scholar and stuff, mm-hmm. you're not getting the full picture. So he's like, we worked with a publishing company that has a large database of this data and put it in a way you can download. You can literally. And I did this. You can download an Excel table with every author that gives their university affiliation. It's like a hundred thousand different authors. <laughs> How big is this file? I don't know. Thirty and five megabytes. It's not well, that, it's that big. It's not that big. And it gives you different information about how much they published, what field they're in. So this author compiled all of that data? These authors. He worked... Uh, okay. Let me, let me break well, this down. Well, who, who is the author? So the first author is John P. Ionitis. He's like, a, I think maybe an MD-PhD at Stanford, um, which is interesting. He is like probably top five most cited person ever. I was about to say an MD-PhD
1: at Stanford. Sounds like just about the hardest thing you could do
0: but he he does a lot of research on like citations and stuff too which is interesting yeah that's cool but his uh his page is actually kind of funny and in his bio he says current citation rates suggest that i'm among the 10 scientists worldwide who are currently the most commonly cited perhaps also the currently most cited physician this probably only proves that the citation metrics are highly unreliable since i estimate that i've been rejected over a thousand times in my life yeah but but that's yeah i don't know these things it's always like I mean, it's great. He's really humble and
1: like it's also really impressive what he's done. But these things always um, – when someone who's like at the way top comes out and they're like, oh, we should rethink this metric. It's like, well, yeah, because you've already won. You're already in the top ten. You've got nothing to lose. Everyone's already impressed by you. Yeah. Like, it's like when billionaires come out and they say like, yeah, you know, we should – I'm a billionaire and I think that we should raise taxes. It's like, well – yeah. That's because you can afford to lose money. You're, I you can. can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, it's a little a bit of a humble brag. Or not even a humble brag. It's like sort of the opposite of self-serving. It's just like you need no service for yourself. So of course, like you can say this. Yeah. It's like this one, this is going to be a total tangent. But I remember freshman year, this woman came in to talk to our rowing team about imposter syndrome and just like kind of the difficulties of college and it was really meant for the freshmen and she gets up there and she gives this whole thing she like works in the academic department in like the admissions department maybe something like that Mm -hmm. and she gives this whole thing about how "Well, well when I was a freshman here I felt so lost and I was on the on this sports team and and I just felt like everyone was better than me and I just I really had this imposter syndrome and I didn't belong here yada yada and she's like but then guess what at the end of the year, I finished with a with a 3.8 GPA, and then I graduated magna cum laude. And I'm like, well, I got a C plus in my math class this semester. How is this supposed try- to make me feel better? Yeah. I, you're basically telling me that my feelings are validated where yours were not. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what?
0: That's not quite relatable. Like, yeah,
1: that doesn't help someone who actually is suffering, you know? like someone who's really low on this citation list like they're not going to look at this and go like oh yeah yeah i'm going to stop citing myself
0: you know like (laughs) well okay so i mean this to be fair this was just what he wrote in his like this is his you know academic profile page at stanford.edu they talk about this for like younger researchers. i know sorry i i just had to go on that little tangent no i agree i needed to take a little shot you know it's easy to punch, take a shot at yourself up. when you're a top 10 highest cited physician ever. Right. Like, you know, you're not going to suffer no offense, if we read,
1: if we redo this metric,
0: but okay. So it's important to bring up the authors on this because I think it sheds a little more light into, you know, who's putting this out, where they're getting the data. Um, there's also folks from data science, statistics and meta research innovation center at Stanford research intelligence from El, El-, El- It's one of the, it's a Dutch company, Dutch publication company. Yeah. Like when you click through to many
1: journal papers, it's always on Elsevier.com
0: or Else Elsevier. elsevier. I'm not sure. We'll have Whatever. to contact our Dutch listeners for yeah. corrections. And then a company, SciTech Strategies out of Pennsylvania and Albuquerque. So they look at, you know, sort of data analysis on this stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. So he didn't like sit there and manually.
1: John Ioannidis. John Ioannidis let's just call him john i can't say his last name yeah so sorry john dr john dr john didn't like go and manually enter all this data into an excel spreadsheet
0: no okay (laughs) no gotcha but you know you're like well why is this a big deal google scholar exists and like there are other things but google scholar is pretty incomplete so this is much more in-depth much more thorough too uh there's a lot of authors with the same names so they went through Mm -hmm. and tried to improve like those sort of overlaps that can happen when you try to just sort of Run an algorithm on this and group it. Right. Did you find like your advisor in this database? You didn't even look? I haven't looked yet. How could you not? You downloaded this whole database and you didn't search it? Well, I mean, so I, I just started searching it. I mean, there's over 100,000 people. I mean, you can control F. Yeah, control but... F. Well, so I guess he's not. He's not in it. Wow.
1: Not yet. Wow. I guess not very important advisor.
0: Hey. <laughs> yeah. I'm just
1: kidding. I'm just kidding.
0: But, uh, a lot of people from University of Washington. Way to go, UW! Nice. Um, a lot of self citations going on here, or I have not analyzed for self citations. Okay.
1: What? So I feel like I have kind of trapped you into just talking about a bunch of random stuff. Sorry, you trapped me, Charlie. I totally trapped you. you. Trapped me. So uh, what? Actually, getting back to the actual paper. Yes. What is Doctor John presenting here? Like, is he he's proposing a reform in the way that we
0: rank? scientific importance or he and the other authors on this paper essentially put together this nice tool so you can just get a better picture of how someone's publishing and sort of where they fall in the rankings of like discipline whether it's like within engineering or biology but also sub disciplines because i mean truth be told you know it's a competitive field if you're hiring someone you need some way to try to quantitatively evaluate whether someone's going to be a good fit for a program. Right. And research production, whether you like it or not, is important for those metrics like It is, yeah. That's the main thing. Yeah. Cuz it's kind of how it goes. Establishes it's like a weird self-fulfilling prophecy of like the more citations that you have, the more likely you are to get money and grants and awards and the more likely you are to get more papers and
1: Right. And the more papers you write, the more citations you get. Yes. So productivity, so, yeah, I, get, I I get productivity so the purpose of this database is basically to like expand the information available on a given researcher instead of just Googling them and finding out their H index. This gives like a more holistic picture of their work. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. So um, you can get a feel for in different fields. How many citations do you need to fall within different like percentiles? Because oh. it varies drastically between fields based on the yeah. citation. um yeah, and in some fields too, I noticed
1: this, just even in our own department, there's a couple different concentrations. And some people, I mean, they're churning out three papers every year, mm-hmm. whereas in in my field, it's like you write one paper every like two years.
0: Yeah, and it's just sort of dependent on like, it's just field dependent. Yeah. You know, uh physics paper may have 50 authors on it if it's coming out of CERN, because you normally yeah. cite all the collaborators are considered authors. Yeah. And this is where the paper sort of gets into this idea of like you can get these uh citation farms or maybe you get a lot of citations because like you're on these big papers and you're like part of that group right but is it like but you got a citation for putting in you know two hours of work on the same thing that someone else did thousands of hours potentially yeah you know if you're a 39th author yeah but like uh Having that ability to quickly look at that and distinguish between like self citations or group citations just gives you a better picture. You're like, okay, this is where your citations are coming from. Okay, so this was the history lesson I was gonna get into real oh, quick. Oh, sorry. I think I probably intentionally derailed you. Probably. I, but you can't, you can't derail me for but long. Uh, yeah, go ahead, lesson.
1: James. Oh, please tell me the history.
0: I'm so excited. I literally only have one paragraph of notes about okay. this. Chill. <laughs> okay. No, I'm, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Uh, this guy, Vannevar Bush, who's an interesting character in history. It's a cool name. If we ever talk about Radar again, his name will come up. Man, everything relates to Radar. Everything relates to it's Radar. It's kind of crazy. He wrote this paper in the 1940s called As We May Think, that some people say, sort of foresaw the internet. Basically, like... this that kind of sounds like a soap opera or something. Yeah. Days of Our Lives. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like a soap opera of the internet, basically. Okay. And this distribution of information. So, like... One of his quotes that I think is important in this context is, There's a growing mountain of research, but there's an increased evidence that we are being bogged down today as specialization extends. The investigator is staggered by the findings and conclusions of thousands of other workers. There's so many papers out there, you can't read all of them. Yeah,
1: also even like you go to Google one topic on Google Scholar, mm-hmm. and there's just infinite papers on like, you know tangentially related things or like
0: little rabbit holes involved in that topic yeah and how many conferences are there it's like yeah how do you like actually start breaking that down so this guy eugene garfield who's at upenn i think he just recently passed away dude he has like a phd or like a degree in chemistry and linguistics and like <laughs> <What>? library sciences <laughs> what and, that's crazy and he's a like entrepreneur kind of crazy renaissance man But he's considered like the grandfather of bibliometrics and scientometrics, measuring science. Okay. I still don't really understand what bibliometrics and scientometrics are. It's like, so his goal, sort of put it in context, was to come up with a way that you could track the propagation of scientific thinking. So like given this sort of information overload, how do you figure out what work is the most important? Okay. Sift through. Like boil this all down. Yeah. So, he's the reason that we have this thing called the Sci- Science Citation Index that led to journal impact factors. Oh, okay. And so, ne- impact factors are
1: all calculated on citations, aren't they? Yeah. Scientific Citation Index. Oh, so this citation index is. Okay. So, so what is, is the scientific citation index?
0: I don't know exactly. I mean, there's, you know, it's a quick Google and it talks about what factors go into it. Is this like a formula, though? Yeah. Gotcha. And so. I want to look into this more. When I was doing some background research for this paper, they were saying like he discovered that nature and science are like the hardcore journals for hard science. Like their impact factors aren't like artificial. It's like just naturally how people sort of interacted with the journals. They had the highest impact factor for hard sciences, for all the hard sciences. It just sort of boiled down to these two publications. Okay, so... I guess maybe I'm not understanding what the significance of
1: that is that nature and science were not particularly like revered the way that we think of them. But then he discovered these two are actually nailing it. And I now think, people
0: know that. I think he just sort of discovered that they were like outliers in the sense of like, oh, gotcha. They, their, Im, their impact factor as he calculated it was a lot higher, just sort of like naturally. Gotcha. They, before they just, impact factors had been created. Gotcha. Before I could just Google
1: what's the top science journal? Yeah. He figured out like nature and science are premier.
0: Yeah. Which I think is interesting because it's like, as soon as you say something's premier, it becomes even more premier. That's what I was confused about. Yeah. I I thought that you were trying
1: to say that he's the one who pointed out, hey, these two are premier. And then that created this
0: artificial boom for nature and science because everyone wanted to be in the premier journal. I think so. I need to do some more research on it, but when i was just reading about him that came up and i thought it was interesting gotcha like you know you're a researcher and you're like oh i just discovered this new molecule it's like no i like oh i discovered this journal is really important
1: yeah so it's like he's like the the producer who you know stumbled upon nature and science in a backroom bar playing to a
0: crowd of 50 <laughs> you know yeah he's like hey john check out this uh, napkin drawing yeah he's like he's calling up um chuck <laughs> berry going hey you gotta
1: listen to this and he d- d- holds mails the phone Chuck Berry a copy of mails Nature Ch-
0: 1956.
1: Exactly. I yeah. think I found that <laughs> journal you're looking for. <laughs> Another excellent Back to the Future reference. <laughs> uh, okay, so he discovered he knew Nature and Science before it was cool.
0: Yeah, he's like the indie godfather,
1: and he's kind of the reason why we care so much about citations now.
0: Yeah, in a way. Yeah, okay. and I, so you know, this is a long <laughs> tangent into the history of citations. The reason I pointed out though is like behind this idea of citation metrics and author metrics and like h indices and stuff like that there's like they're very like well-intentioned metrics you know we're overloaded with information how do you boil it down and figure out what's important right but you know then this thing comes up in italy with these reforms for how like how do you start ranking academics and they just focus on like a very narrow aspect they're like they let's just look at only citations then you get cases like you'll read about in the Wired article if you check it out, where it's like some dude has 100,000 citations and 94% of them are self citations. 100,000 and 94,000 of which are his own citations? I think it's 100,000, but 90, it is like 94% of his own citations are. I, like, own. how is that even possible? That's insane. I mean, some of these people have like thousands of articles it's crazy
1: that that's what i mean is like how is that even possible yeah you're pub- you must be publishing hundreds every year like yeah as dan carlin would say it boggles the mind it boggles the mind it boggles the modern mind yep so why don't we dig into these like scandals a little bit like i i kind of i get the history now and yeah. i get kind of the use of this database that dr john and his friends have come up with How did this go so wrong? And like, what was this? Like these people who've gotten busted.
0: Well, they haven't been busted. And like, I think probably because of the politics of academia, everyone's like walking this line of like, well, we shouldn't go that far and like say anything bad because, you know, whatever. I mean, it's pretty crazy. So the median level of self-citation is like 12%, meaning 12% of your citations are from yourself. Okay. So if I
1: wrote a paper that had 100 citations, 12 of those would be a work that I am an author of.
0: Or, like, if, you you know, from your whole body of research, like, you have 10 papers or whatever, and you have 100 citations from all those 10 papers, 12 of your citations were you just referring to other works that you've done. I guess, I guess I'm a little confused. I need to clarify.
1: When we're talking about citations, are we talking about you writing a citation into your own work or
0: someone else citing your work? It's someone else citing your work, right? Self-citation is you citing your own work. So, your 10th paper, you cite your previous nine papers because... Each one was incremental in getting you to this point. So you now have su- nine self-citations. Right. If nine in- self-citations because each of those papers was cited once. Yes. Okay. You know, probably what would happen is, you know, your second paper cites your first, your third cites your first two, your fourth cites your first three. I know. It It, it would build
1: up. So your first paper would have nine citations on it.
0: Yeah. You would have like nine factorial or whatever. N- No, no, no. no, Not factorial. Not
1: no no, nine. You have nine plus eight plus seven plus six plus five. Yeah. Citations. Yeah. So Um, from so from ten papers that you wrote, you could have what that's like fifty-five or forty-five
0: citations out of that. Totally. That just came from yourself. And that might be mandated, you know, based on the places that you're publishing. Right. And now put yourself in the shoes of an early researcher where it's like, you know, maybe you're just getting started as a postdoc and your research hasn't like taken hold yet yeah and you need you want to call attention to it yeah and you have to like you maybe you have to by the regulations of whatever paper you're going to right so it's like you'll have a high self-citation percentage and that's fine no one would dispute that so 12 percent is pretty like normal yes yeah okay so like about one in
1: ten times that your papers have been cited came from yourself yeah okay so what is anomalous what's like a what's a bad percentage that that we've come across
0: um, so I can give you some numbers. What's like a scandalous level? The Nature paper, the Nature News article had good, um, some good like numbers to put it into perspective. There were at least 250 scientists out of the 100,000 plus they analyzed who had amassed more than 50% of their citations from themselves or from their co-authors. Ooh, okay. 50%. Yeah.
1: That's crazy. I mean, you basically doubled your number of citations yeah by citing your own work wow. and maybe you're prolific okay. so this is that's interesting the thing you said about being cited by their co-authors so mm-hmm. that suggests like some sort of collaboration on this to use a kinder word and like racketeering to use a less kind word
0: yeah but they also say like you know just because you have a higher number doesn't mean you're engaging in unethical behavior but like if you're going to promote someone based on their number of citations like you might want to look into it. Yeah, I mean fifty
1: percent is alarmingly high.
0: Yeah, that's high. Okay. So is there some sort of implication
1: here that like there's this back scratching going on? Like you you cite mine, I cite yours.
0: Potentially. Okay. I mean, I think that's sort of what they found in Brazil and Oh,
1: with the the scandal from twenty thirteen.
0: Yeah. One thing I didn't look at was like it would be be interesting to look like how many times did Paul Erdos cite himself? Who's Paul Erdos? He's this Hungarian mathematician who's known for just being like a prolific publisher. Oh, um, but I mean, like very well respected. He's published so many papers and, and so many collaborations that people talk about their Erdos number.
1: Oh, like how many papers they've worked on with him.
0: Yeah, so I think the Erdos number is the number of steps in the shortest path between a mathematician and Erdos in terms of co-authorships. So it's like, I think if it's zero, you are Paul Erdos. If it's one, (laughs) you like worked with him in the same room. Yeah. Two is you worked with one of his collaborators. Okay. So So it's Natalie Portman has like a Erdos number of like four or something. It's weird. Yeah. It's like the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever. Yeah. 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 Okay. But because he's, yeah, some people have like very small numbers and like are in very different fields. Huh. That's cool. I wonder what ours our number is. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up just so I don't pass out fake numbers. Natalie Portman has one has a number. Erdos number of eleven, which is pretty 11. good. Okay, higher yeah. than mine. It's probably yeah, probably, it's probably lower than
1: mine. I know our number is probably like twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. No, I think it's one of those things you probably are more linked than you think. Yeah, I'm probably a little bit closer to Kevin Bacon than Paul Erdos. Well, the Kevin Bacon theory is that everyone is under seven, within seven. I think that that's the theory for anyone in the world, but huh. anyway, enough tangents on that. Enough tangents. I feel like this whole episode is devolved into a tangent. It kind of This episode is sort of like a tangent from the main thread of the podcast almost. How many times have we self-cited our episodes in this? Man, that's a great question. It's I would bet that our self-citation percentage is probably 99%. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I don't really see anyone really talking about paperboys that much around the internet.
0: (laughs) At least not not in negative terms yet.
1: Yeah. Not yet. Although they do say like when you get a negative review, that's when you know you've made it. Like when Um, someone like hates what you're doing, that's when you're like, all right, I made it. Yeah. So if you're listening right now and you hate this, which is, there's a high probability
0: with the way this episode's going, (laughs) leave (laughs) us a nasty review. Just so we know we made it. Just so we know we made it. Yeah. You know, so we... I think we've hit on the main points. This paper came out with a nice database, which is actually really cool, and I will post a link to the Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> Probably with a warning that if you click this, it will download 35 megabytes. Yeah,
1: uh, you know, memory is
0: cheap. This is a 1974. For our,
1: yeah, but uh, data is not cheap when you're on a cell
0: phone. That's true. <laughs> Use at your own risk. I'll put a yeah. skull and car- crossbones by it. Okay, It's interesting, you know. it's, the, it's It just seems kind of
1: like the conclusion here is like, this is an open question in science that is potentially problematic. Like, it doesn't seem quite as bad as the replication crisis that we talked about on a previous episode, Citation Needed. Yeah. Like, that is legitimately a major problem for science. Yes. Whereas That's this, like
0: a problem with the scientific method.
1: Right. This is not necessarily like, you know, people getting promoted or
0: getting a job or whatever. They're probably still good scientists. This is more institutional. It's not like... right. You can still do good work, but, uh, I don't This feels like more like, this is more like LinkedIn advice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you like more faithfully represent your work to the world? Yeah. You know, I mean, so I was reading a couple blogs just about like, I'm curious, like what's the hiring process for academics? Cause you know, it's like, I think it's like you could apply to 120 different spots. Maybe you'd interview at 20, get an offer from two. Oh, yeah. No, Except it's like one. it's insane.
1: I mean, my my advisor just recently went through this and it's like each position, each open position at like all these different universities gets over 100 applicants for them to choose one. And they're all qualified. With and they're PhDs. all qualified. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then they bring a bunch in and they have them like teach a class and interview with students and interview with tons of different faculty. And like it's just like steps and steps and steps.
0: Yeah. It's like becoming an astronaut. It's like, it's just insane. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The ringer that they put you through. So it's like, hopefully this makes people look at, I guess, look at people's performance and productivity in a slightly more nuanced way. Right. And I did find this interesting blog post from a guy. The blog is called ecoevoevoeco.blogspot.com. Real catchy name. Yeah. But so, I mean, he posted this on Sunday where he was talking about it and sort sort of ran his own analysis and basically what he was saying is like "Eh, for the most part self-citation doesn't really matter because even if you're citing yourself a lot like it still correlates with high productivity
1: yeah it means you you've written enough papers to cite yourself
0: yeah so (laughs) i like it because uh at the end he said in short the variation among researchers is vastly higher than the effect of self-citation within researchers everyone can chill out (laughs) but so it's interesting his blog's Pretty good. There's a couple other professors who like chime in on it on different things. And he's a UW alum. Oh, nice. That's exciting.
1: Go dogs. Go dogs. All right. Well, yeah, this has been a very interesting discussion. I learned a little bit of history. I learned some metrics.
0: Yeah. Throw out out a professor's
1: name. A professor's name. Um, All right. How about uh, Stephen Barrett, the MIT professor who did the ion plane that we covered on an episode and who gave the plenary
0: talk at a conference I was at. I'm looking. There are a lot of Barretts on this. You know, he's not popping up. Wow, no Stephen Barrett. Yeah, but to be fair, this goes back to like 1960s. Oh, so it's probably just like a sampling of everyone. It's the hundred thousand most cited researchers from like 1960 to 2017. Oh, but they so it's also, like a who's who. It's kind of like a who's who. But then they also just did the year 2017. That doesn't take into account papers written before like 1996 gotcha gotcha so, there's some nuances
1: so even like this you know super impressive mit professor doesn't even make the list and it doesn't yeah it doesn't mean anything all right well thank you james and thank you dennis yeah for suggesting this uh hopefully we've provided enough hot takes
0: more, probably more like tepid takes <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, you know i think there's plenty to discuss about this obviously there's enough implications and like it's not just cut and dry, proven by the fact we've been able to talk about it for an hour.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure this is the kind of thing that like news will pick up and say, you know, there's a major problem in academia. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And like when any one of these few scandals breaks, it's like, oh, so how rampant is this? It's like, well, it sounds like it is rampant ish in some pockets,
0: but it's unclear whether that's even a huge problem. Yeah. Out of a 100- hundred a thousand plus researchers you know there were less than 300 who had more than 50 percent self citations
1: yeah that's what a tenth of a percent
0: yeah that's like
1: that means like you personally probably don't even know someone who does this and may not even
0: know someone who knows someone
1: right like you'd have to know a thousand researchers yeah
0: like if you were at a conference maybe there's one person there who does this and even then you know there's like saying the whole time it's not bad but all the news headlines were like huge problem in academia like oh my god this research was like out to uncover these self-ciders and it's like no they just provided a nice tool so you can make your own judgments based on whatever you need to
1: yeah and like they didn't even really seem to really tabulate that data like as their main focus here
0: no it's a short just a short little part of it yeah
1: okay so this is just after all this this is just still another classic case of like one little kernel of information that is sort of present in this research that is like potentially maybe the motivation for this research is becomes the story of what's happening in science yeah becomes like what the news says is here's what's happening like here's what was discovered and here's but that's not the case at all not it's not the full story thank god the paper boys are i know what would we do without them and dennis thank and, you dennis. And dennis thank you dennis can't
0: say thank you enough
1: yeah and thank you everyone else for listening to this <laughs> for putting up with our crap for the last however many minutes um, hopefully uh yeah. we're we're a little rusty you know like we said we've been off the podcasting game for several weeks now yeah because of that pesky wedding thing that pesky wedding but i should have postponed that just for paper boys for paper boys yeah i should have said honey the one year anniversary is coming up so it's important that our wedding isn't too close to it we can't
0: yeah dude what were you thinking planning your wedding around the one year anniversary i of know Paper
1: because now i have two anniversaries to celebrate
0: in august it'll be a good month going forward in the future that's true that's true <laughs> she'll mean, see
1: me she'll see me like buying flowers you know in the in the <laughs> weeks leading up and then the wedding will come and go and then i'll bring the flowers to Paperboys. yes to my desk that's when we record yeah
0: that's how you keep a healthy marriage <laughs> <laughs> yeah just actively supporting your podcast on the side uh-huh well thank you again everyone for listening
1: yeah check out the patreon patreon.com slash bonus episode incoming on sunday you're going to get your pledges in before then so that that'll be fresh in your inbox when we wake up on sunday morning it's going to be a good episode yeah watson and crick watson everyone and crick. knows their names and for good reason yeah so we'll be talking about why they're so famous what the work they actually did is like we know they discovered the double helix of dna oh yes <laughs> but like that's lame we want to know how they did that and uh why that, and why that was such a big deal at the time we'll get into the who the where the what the when not the how no actually we will oh, yeah, a, little how. How. <laughs> a little bit how. a little bit how. yeah but no why no we're
0: gonna, this is a, it's too meta yeah this is a no why podcast <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks everyone for listening please join us again next week for another exciting edition of Paperboys. Thanks for listening.